Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim R. Uh, today, we're going to be interviewing Cherry R. How are you doing this morning, Cherry? Or I should say I'm this great. afternoon. You're great? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's good to hear. So let's dive in, start talking a little bit about growing up, I guess. Start there. Growing up, um, I had a pretty normal childhood up until about 10 and then uh, my parents got divorced um shortly thereafter my mom got remarried and um me and the stepdad didn't get along too well there's you know a little bit of abuse that happened there and um so when I was about 14 years old I moved out um kind of went from couch to couch from friends to friends house um you said you were 14 uh-huh so your parents they didn't like come looking for you when you were not coming home or anything like that no they just let you go yep and uh then i met brandon he was I, I was 16, he was five years older than me, and he kind of, we started dating, and um, then we were, like, living out of his car, he, he was already on drugs, but I had no idea, like, cause I had, I grew up in a small town <laughs> where there isn't anything, and, uh, um, so he was like stealing, doing whatever he could to get us food and I'm sure him drugs. And um, we were living in his car for a long time. I then. Um, what was that like living in a car? Because I would I'd be scared. I, I don't know what the word must be, what I would be. How did you feel living in the car? It wasn't so scary for me because I had him there. To me, he was like my hero because, you know, I had no job. I'd never had a job before in my life. And he, like, took care of me. So um, it was cold because I, I live in Utah, so it was super cold. <laughs> um, but I wasn't outside. So that was a blessing. Um, then, um, after we had saved up enough money, uh, we ended up getting an apartment. Uh, I got pregnant and, um, my life's kind of a crazy story. <laughs> well, let's um, hear it. This is well, the place this, to talk about it. Uh, okay. So, um, <clears throat> Before I got pregnant, I told you that he was stealing a bunch of stuff and uh, he ended up meeting these two guys and he was, you know, anything he could get his hands on, they would buy it from him. Well, these two guys ended up being the FBI and uh, so he was going to as soon as I found out that I was pregnant he was going to um go and go on a Las Vegas run with these two guys to take some cars that they had stolen down there and um 
so I was taking gonna take him up to the place and on the way there like we got pulled over but it wasn't like the normal cops there was helicopters in the air and like the car was surrounded by like 13 different cars and so I was arrested by the FBI when I was 17 years old um and this was just for stealing for stealing and selling stolen stolen properties so they had a great big like bust that was happening it was a whole bunch of people that they busted okay. um, that had been doing this for years with them and i just got kind of caught up in the crossfire and um they took me to detention where i called my mom my mom came and got me and um i explained to her you know that i had nothing to do with it like it was brandon and uh she I then told her I was pregnant, which is when she told me that she hated me, never talked to me again type of deal. But then she let me move in with her. Um, I lived with her for eight months. No, I lived with her throughout my pregnancy. Um, then I had my son. My son was born with medical issues. And at that time, Brandon had gotten out of jail and we got back together. Um, we got an, an apartment and um, the first four months of my son's life, I, I lived in primary children's hospital. Um, well, if you don't mind me asking, what, what kind of, if you don't mind me asking, what kind of medical issues did he have? So one of his kidneys was the smallest one they'd ever seen. And one was the big, biggest one they'd ever seen in a baby. And then he uh, also had problems with his intestines and stuff. So he had to have like a colostomy bag and stuff like that to begin with. So I was like a baby trying to take care of this baby that, you know, had a bunch of problems. It was very traumatizing for both of us, you know, and Brandon was nowhere to be found. I had to learn um, CPR and a baby before I could bring him home. Uh, we both did. And finally, I got his brother to drag him to the hospital and he learned it so that we could go home. And I was on pain pills um, after having him. And when my prescription ran out, Brandon was like, well, you know, try this. You'll really like this. Were you and it taking was heroin. Huh? Were you taking were you taking the pills as prescribed or were you abusing yeah, them? As prescribed. Um that's a big jump to just go from taking prescription drugs to heroin. Yeah. Yep. So that's what happened. I I didn't know that, you know, after three days of taking heroin, you're gonna wake up sick and feel like you're gonna die and all that garbage but um so I just continued to do it every day um started only caring about you know when the next time I'm gonna get my 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 next fix of heroin instead of taking care of my baby with special needs so I ended up calling my mom and telling my mom you know that I was addicted to heroin and that I couldn't love my son the way he needed to be loved so she came and got him 
and um, he lived with her. Uh, and my life just got crazy. We started um, doing cocaine together. So we'd mix the two and um, it was just sex, drugs, and rock and roll, really, to be honest with you, for the longest time. Um, he ended up getting arrested and going to prison. I went to jail for shoplifting after he left. What I did he go to jail for? For shoplifting. Both of you? No, he went to jail um, for the warrant that he had because he was running from the arrest when he got arrested for, from the FBI. Um, so he ended up going to prison and then I was out and had no way, didn't know how to hustle or anything like that because he did it all. Um, so I went into a store and tried shoplifting. Yeah, not good at that. That's like the first and only time I've ever done that. So um, I need to take a drink of my coffee. Sorry. Oh, me too. But. Um, after that, I did 30 days in jail, got out, went straight back to heroin and cocaine and, um, started driving, um, these Mexican guys, um, they're basically from Honduras. I started driving them to California. Uh, I was 19, I think. I would drive the car to California with one of the guys and um, the car would go into a shop and we would like go hang out in a Mexican restaurant and um, <clears throat> A few hours would go by and they'd give us the car back and I'd drive the car back. And I did this a few times until the last time I did it, um, I came back. They would give me drugs and money and <clears throat> I came back and went in the bathroom to go do some drugs. And when I came out of the bathroom after hours being in there, there was like a humongous mountain-like sized pile of drugs. And I realized like, I mean, I knew I was bringing some drugs back, but I didn't know the quantity of the amount of drugs that I was bringing back in the car. So um, I didn't do that anymore. It scared me away from it. Um, I would basically sell drugs to make money to um, get more drugs. And um, this is just a vicious cycle for a long time. I, I've been in and out of jail so many times on possession charts, false information. Uh, I couldn't even tell you how many times, to be honest with you. Like, it's, it's, it was a revolving door for me. So um, that happened for 20-something years of my life. That was my life. I'd go to jail, get out, start using drugs, start selling drugs. I was, you know, working for not good people. <laughs> um, uh, 
that come here from a different country and you know I did that for a really long time I got I've been in some horrible situations very scary situations um now looking back sober I think what the hell were you doing you know but then you don't really think very much with your brain. So um, I ended up getting busted with quite a bit of stuff. Um, I went to prison in 2011 and um, I did 18 months at the Utah State Prison, um, I knew it was also for possession. And that was yeah for possession. Um, that was a very scary experience because when you get to prison, the very first thing that they have you sign is a piece of paper that's signing your body away to somebody. Like I'd never been to prison before. I'd been to jail a million times, you know, and in jail all the girls would be like, I'd much rather go to prison. And I get there and the first thing I'm having to do is sign a piece of paper, giving my body away. Like, I'm not gonna, for the longest time, I wouldn't sign the paper. I'm like, I'm not gonna sign the paper. Like, I'm gonna walk out of here with my body. No, I don't need to sign it over to my mom or dad, you know, but so I sat down there for the longest time, a couple hours, I'm sure, maybe two or three before I'd sign the paper. And then, you know, you go into the cell for eight weeks, 23 hour a day lockdown, you get out for an hour at like six o'clock in the morning. And you can't call anybody who's, who's going to be awake at that early that wants to talk to you, you know. Um, but I had made amends with my family when I was there, wrote these letters and I said I was going to change, but in the back of my mind, I knew. Were you I working would. a program or you just no. saying sorry to people? Just saying sorry to people. But it, it wasn't honest, you know. I knew in the back of my head still that I wasn't done, that I was going to continue doing the things that I was doing. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I got out of prison. I got a job. I was doing good. Um, then one of the girls from prison called me and I went over to her. She told me, she warned me before I went there that she was using, you know, it's like, it's, it's okay. Like, I don't have any desire to use, you know, and you can only go around somebody so many times before you're going to do it yourself. So that's exactly what happened um then I was just stuck at her apartment for I months months I guess um then I went to Idaho and I was living with the guy up there who he's an old guy I feel super horrible about this because I took advantage of him but he would you know give me money he's bought me vehicles 
so that in itself became an addiction to me. Um, I would take the vehicles that he got me and drive down to Utah and pick up drugs and drive back every few days. Um, and I did that for probably a year. And then I got tired of living in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. So I came back to Salt Lake and started selling drugs again for those people. And um, did that for a few more years. Altogether, I was out like five years. And during and this then, time, while you're doing all this stuff, you're addicted to drugs? Yes, very, very so much. You were, so you were using a lot. It yes. was basically, you were doing all these things to feed your head. Yes. Okay. Yep, I would sell drugs to make money to get more drugs for myself and to sell. Um, then I was going to deliver something to a customer at like three o'clock in the morning and got pulled over and I had a whole bunch of drugs on me um I took what I could with me into the jail and um I actually went in front of the judge I was coming off with so many drugs that I actually died while I was in the jail. They had to take me to the hospital and revive me. Um, How did you die? Were you going through withdrawal? Yes. <clears throat> what was it from alcohol withdrawal? No, it was from heroin, methadone, oxys, roxys, all sorts of. I was on anything you could think of. I was on pretty much. Um, but they brought me back to life and uh, took me back to the jail. Uh, that night, I talked to my oldest son on the phone, who um, oh, I kind of skipped. I was sober for a little while. I had a couple more kids. I was married and got divorced and started doing drugs again. But um, back to where I was um, I was in jail and I called my oldest son and he begged me to have him send me to prison again because he didn't want he would rather me be in there than him putting me in a box six feet under so I went to church that night in the jail by myself withdrawing it was horrible talked to these two ladies and um the next day I went to court and I had just made up my mind they tried to give me an attorney I told them that I didn't want an attorney I told them that I'm guilty you caught me you know like just they thought I was the weirdest person ever I'm sure <laughs> the attorney sat there and argued back and forth with me for like 15 minutes and I'm like look I just I'm guilty you guys got me like I just want you to send me to prison. Uh, we went out into the courtroom and the judge was going to release me on my own recognizances. And I told him, you know, you could release me and in a few months from now, I'll be dead. Or you could help save my life and please send me to prison so I can get some help. And he 
looked to me for a few minutes and looked down and he said, you know, my wish to you is that one day you're not standing in front of a judge begging him to send you to prison. And then he sentenced me to prison. And um, the second time was way different for me. I got into my little cell that I was in for eight weeks and, you know, got on my knees and prayed and just asked him to remove it from me. And it's the craziest thing, man. It's like he just flipped a switch in my brain. And um, ever since I walked into those doors, I have not used anything. And this month I have five years, five years clean. So that's the longest I've ever had my entire life. Um, except for, you know, from the age zero from the time I was born until you know 17 or no 18 when I started using drugs I used drugs every day until was that the first time you ever used drugs like was that or did you use it younger like like experimenting when I was 15 I smoked weed but that's it what Um, kind of person were you while you were high (laughs) I was a horrible person, horrible. I was, I wouldn't want to know me. Like I, I, I wasn't even allowed to go into my mom's house to use the bathroom for, she would set a timer in her kitchen, you know, the kitchen timers. Yeah. Like I had two minutes in her bathroom. That's it. And if I was in there longer, she would literally have kicked the door down. So, because I would go in and get high, you know, my mom knew she's a smart woman, unfortunately, because I, you know, the way I am and have been, she's (laughs) learned quite a bit. So, um, yeah, I was a horrible person. I stolen, I've done horrible things, you know, so grateful i'm not that person today yeah no that is an absolute great thing so what do you think first made you ever do a drug well when i smoked weed my big sister was doing it we were hanging out with a bunch of friends so really just to fit in okay so you were just trying to fit in with the crowd? Yep. And do you think there's anything that led to you continuing on to the point? I mean, what, while you were using, were there any times where you knew I have an issue, I need to quit, and you just continued on? Absolutely. Every day. <laughs> when, was the, when was the first time you realized you had a problem? I mean, when I started neglecting my child and, you know, not giving him the love and attention that he deserved, that he need he needed, you know, then I knew I had a problem when I called my mom and had her come pick up my son. But the thing is, is with heroin, it's, you get so sick, like deathly 
sick and and that scared me. I didn't want to get sick. I didn't want to be sick. So what do you do nowadays as far as keeping sober? Do you have any type of specific program? Is there anything that you do maybe as a hobby or something? So now today, me and my other half, we own a house we bought a year ago. Um, I run an AA meeting every Saturday for women. It's a women's meeting. It's a Zoom meeting. I do that. I I sponsor other females. Um, I have a lot of close friends that are in recovery, and I just had to, you know, delete my old Facebook. I don't talk to anybody that I did in the past. Um, I had to change everything. And and I still live in the same place. You know, uh, when I was on drugs, like I tried to move out of state to get away from it. And it doesn't matter where you go. It does not matter where you go because you'll find it. You know, if that if that's the kind of thing that you're into and that you're looking for, you'll find it. So, and I did. But yeah, today, <clears throat> I was I, I, oh, yeah. Sorry huh? about that. No, sorry about that. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say, us drug addicts, we seem to always find a way. Like you it's, said, we'll find it. We'll, yeah, somehow we do it. It's facts. But or it know, finds us. Sometimes it finds us. <laughs> true, true. I mean, I used to go to any meetings on purpose, like to go and find the weakest link in the group that's how horrible I was you know like and be because I didn't want to get high by myself or whatever and I I would find somebody who was new or whatever and we'd start talking and then we'd leave and go get high you know it's horrible (laughs) but that's true that's what I did so so what kind of meetings do you run what what what, what's um I guess some of the advice you give these women when you talk to them, what what are some words of encouragement that you typically would give? You know, you gotta, I mean, you have to be ready if you're not ready, clearly. Like I had so many people try and, you know, force me into it. I've had sponsees that, you know, came to the program because they got a DUI or, you know, they had to be there and they asked me to be their sponsor at last for about a month. And then they they fall off and I, I have to tell them, you know, like I can't, I can't continue to be your sponsor because, you know, I, at first I'd ask them, are you ready? Well, I don't know if I really am or not. Well, you know, until you're ready, nobody can help you. You, you know, you have to be ready. Um, you have to really want to change your life and uh, be sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know, Um, work the steps, get a sponsor, do service work. Um, You have to change everything. So, you know, I successfully completed parole. I did all this stuff that in the past was so difficult for me to do. Because, <laughs> you know, you can't successfully complete parole when you're getting high. 
And so yep. I just thought, I'm never going to be able to get off parole, probation. I was only on parole for 18 months. And I was on a 1 to 15. I did a lot more time the second time than I did the first time. And, you know, I should have been on parole a lot longer. But because I did such a good job, they kicked me off way early. So I don't know. It just... You know, if somebody's ready, you it's possible. You can do it. I mean, look at me. Shit. I was a heroin addict from the time I was 18 until, you know, 40 years old. I'm 45 now. It took me that long. So you're lucky to be alive after 20 years of heroin abuse. Seriously. You're lucky and, to be alive. And the shit that I've been through and seen and it's. I'm way lucky to be alive. Yep. So I'm grateful for that. So I guess this is a good place to end it. My last question for you is, are there any lessons you've learned that you think you could pass on what you learned from that lesson to someone else? Any lessons I've learned? Yeah, kids stay away from drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy one. It's a lesson. Um, you know, I've learned a lot of lessons. Um, you're putting me on the spot. I don't know. Just, you know, if you're ready to do the recovery thing I, I would strongly suggest the 12 steps because they've helped me change my life you know and and I used to get to step four or five where you have to tell all your garbage to another person and I'd run away you know but once I did that finally you know when I got out of prison the second time and I actually did it it was like a huge weight was lifted off of me, you know, just telling all my garbage to another person. Like it, it, it helped me in ways I can't even express, you know, it helps you face yourself and your own fears. It does. And, and, you know, I thought I would be judged. This person's going to judge me. I've done some horrible shit, you know, that I didn't talk about here, you know, but I, I don't know. She didn't judge me. She was like, as a matter of fact, I've done some of that shit too. And I, I get it, you know, like, <laughs> and so I don't know. It took me 20 something years to work the steps, but when I did it and I finally, you know, let go of all that garbage, it's my life's been different and I'm grateful for every day. I just want to live the rest of my life boring. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. Boring can be good. <laughs> yes. I, I'm bored as shit and I love it. <laughs> oh. So that's also one of the things that people uh, face big time that I hear a lot is when it comes time to stop using reason it's so hard is it's life could be boring and you just want something to do. And a lot of people fall back into that pattern. Yeah, that's why I freaking, you know, 
host that meeting and try to be of service and get a sponsor or send a sponsee, you know, and you're never bored. They'll find something for you to do, you know? So it's just, you got to want it bad enough. That's all. That's what I've learned. Well, thank you for that. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. You're welcome. All right. So if anyone watching or listening likes what they saw or heard, go down below to our subscribe button. Please subscribe to us. Give us a like. We also have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. Under the Facebook group, if you go to events, you'll see all of our Zoom meetings. I highly suggest you come to one of our chilling chats, we call them. And that's all I got for today. So until next time.